0: Hello, Dogs on Demand, Bulldog Nation. How are y'all doing? I'm your host Mason Cox, joined by my co-host Wilson Benton, and it's been a little while, but we are back. Yeah, what's
1: going on, everybody? It's Dogs on Demand, and my goodness, do we have a lot to catch up on the past? I think it's been 13 days since our our last upload, and my gosh. There's had been some good, news. There has been tons of news and tons of things happening right now. You're definitely, as a Mississippi State fan right now, you are definitely not bored. That's for sure.
0: Not at all. And we got a lot to talk about. We're going to break it all down. Um, where do you want to start, Wilson? Well,
1: so we have some pre-recorded audio with Graham Smith coming off of that absolutely amazing victory versus the Ole Miss Rebels in Starkville at the hump. And so... Why don't we go ahead and drop that audio with Graham coming fresh off of that win against Ole Miss? Graham is a senior here at Mississippi State, and he's he's a good friend of ours. He's studying civil engineering alongside me and Mason, and he went to the, the game today. We're fresh off of beating Ole Miss this afternoon, and... Uh, we had to get him on to get his thoughts. He's a big basketball guy. I played basketball in high school and all that. So, Graham, it's good to have you on. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. So, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of your background and why
2: basketball is so special to you. So, uh, I'm originally from uh, outside of Baton Rouge. Um, went to a pretty good, pretty big uh, public school, basketball school, Um was blessed enough to play in two state champions, lose one of them, win one of them. So, so we're we're currently speaking to a state champion out of the yeah, state of Louisiana, five A public, only white boy to step on the court in that game. So, uh, it's a pretty proud moment. Yeah. But, um, so, so what's that like?
1: Describe your game to those who who aren't aware of you and your accomplishments on the court.
2: Three and D man couldn't jump with them, couldn't run with them, so I shot over them. That's that's what I did. Well, man. I mean, if you can't there, they're, you gotta play to your strengths. And that's right. That's uh,
1: and that's that's why you're on the court because you did what you did well.
2: Well, I was one of those guys in high school that an announcer, if he was ever if we were on TV, he would be like, "Oh yeah, number twenty is deceptively quick." He just <laughs> thinks ahead of everybody, like your typical white boy things you yeah. say for actually athletic guys, mm-hmm. but they're white. That's mm-hmm. that's what they said about me in high school.
1: Yeah, so. that's great stuff. Well, you went to the game today, and um, I kind of wanted to. Th- your thoughts on the game against Ole Miss, what you saw from the team that you liked, and kind of you know what your thoughts on were the hump and just the
2: overall atmosphere of the day. So uh, what I really liked was uh, Will McNair. I thought Will McNair yeah. had an awesome game. Um, so he was our player of the game. He had to be, had to be by far the best – not necessarily the best performance, but just the most energy and most – well, it was one of his best performances. It was his year.
1: best performance in a Mississippi State jersey I, by yeah, far. I, I agree. And that. to do it against Ole Miss at a time when Tolu's really been struggling the past couple weeks, if we're being honest, mm-hmm. and to- it, it was it was necessary. And I don't if he doesn't play as well as he does, I'm not sure if we come back
0: and win that game. Yeah. Well, if you look at it, I mean McNair got an extra 10 minutes of play time over Tolu Smith. Yeah. It speaks and volumes. To be fair, Tolu did score almost about – he scored 12 to McNair's 13 points. Right. Had an assist and five rebounds. McNair had seven rebounds. So, you know, out of the your two big guys, it's good to have that consistency out of both of them. It really kept Ole Miss off balance. Uh, and it just allowed us to be able to dig into the bench a little bit more to get some other guys into
2: scoring position. But, you know, for him, that's a huge game. But going on the, the scoring uh, totals, Tolu had twice as many shots mm-hmm. as McNair. I mean, I think McNair missed two that I can remember. Yeah, he was One a One was a tough shot. Yeah. I mean, McNair is a – I don't know if y'all necessarily pay attention to the bench, but McNair's that guy that stands up and yells at the other players when they're not yeah. playing defense, mm-hmm. which I love. You need a guy like that. I mean, he's a fifth-year senior. He obviously likes – he obviously likes Jans enough. I mean, he came with him from New Mexico. So, he's just he's, – yeah. he's a good ball player. Yeah. So,
1: going off of that performance, it, it starts to beg the question, Do who do you play? Who do you start? Do you start – do you keep starting totally with his form as it is? Because Will was really, really good.
2: Do you uh, give him a start? Yeah, I don't think you give uh, Will a start. Um Actually, I say I say you keep playing, you keep starting Tolu, but I would like to see Keyshawn Murphy in there at the five along with Matthews, so, maybe DJ Jeffries or someone along that line. Let's talk about that.
1: Who do you think deserves a little bit more playing time and who do you think maybe has – a little too much playing time that you know you wish that somebody else could be getting some of those
2: valuable minutes. Dude, Sean Davis plays way too much. <laughs> that man, that man. Some nights he's good. Like Utah, he went. Seven for eight behind three point land. And he say that one game he that went on game, but he couldn't hit water if he have a boat <laughs> tonight. I mean, it's just he had one. He had an and one on a three, but I don't remember him making any shots outside of that. He didn't one.
1: shoot, and that's one of my biggest things with this team is we don't have a guard who wants to score the basketball this year.
2: Well, I think Eric Reed Jr. at Baton Rouge does. I mean, I got to see him play in high school. He's he was a good. He was he was a bucket in high school. Yeah. Um I think he's more of your catch and shoot guy, right? Um, I, I'm not. I, what I guess what I mean by that is I don't know if we
1: have anybody who a guard that is going to take somebody off the dribble like Iverson is this
0: what? year.
2: That's a, that's or, or a like a rare, rare guy. You get so though. there's
0: like a there's a real lack of like tenacity when they play it. They're very timid. The guards. Yeah, I mean even even McNair tonight he was a little bit timid sometimes in the paint. He passed it back out three or four times when it was a one on one just in the post and. I would like to see him and some of the other guys just to step up and be a little bit more aggressive in the, in the paint and when they're playing basketball, you know, because they're, like you said, we don't have a guard who wants to step up and you know drive and make that yeah that attempt for that shot. But
1: so you want to talk about somebody who is aggressive? Let's circle back to Keyshawn Murphy a little bit. Okay. So uh, Graham and I got to watch him and Jackson. And he really was the catalyst in that he game to up. beat Jackson State. He tore it up. If, if it wasn't for him, we might have we could have easily lost to Jackson State lost that night. Lost by
2: 20. No, we lose by 20 to Jackson State because they played harder than us. They, yeah, they really did. And Mo Williams had those boys playing. I mean, the, if Keyshawn Murphy's not A, in that game, we lose by 20. Mo Williams to Ole Miss? Mo Williams, do you th- looks, he looks like he could play SEC basketball right now. Yeah. He looks good.
1: Speaking of that, do you think Kermit Davis has coached his last – basketball game against Mississippi
2: State? No, uh, I I give them throughout the year. I mean, because it's it's SEC basketball. I mean, you really don't just can't. I'm not saying it's high school, but you don't can a guy halfway through. I mean, that's I, I haven't seen it. I mean, obviously the guy in Texas beard he got dismissed, but he was also hitting that was his wife. early. That's true. He's hitting his wife or something. I don't think Kermit the Frog over in Oxford hits his wife. So, do
0: you think this is his last season? Because he's going on what six years oh,
2: yeah. now? Yeah, he's he's out. He they they don't play hard. They they play hard in spurts, but they do not play hard.
1: Yeah. Well, just looking at Ole Miss, they're eight and seven now, and that's with all but three games. You know in non-conference they had four losses in the non-conference and they have yet to win a game in the sec now granted they played two teams that i think will be in the sweet 16 minimum alongside Mississippi state with uh alabama and tennessee so they kind of got the same schedule that we've had you know we literally just had the reverse schedule so what was the score of that tennessee Ole miss game it was close i think it was at Ole miss and i'm pretty sure Ole miss, uh, tennessee won by two or three points it, it was close. Now the Alabama game was more of a blowout that was, like that was we expected. Our Tennessee game. But if you're looking Tennessee beat South Carolina today by around thirty five
0: points and Alabama beat who did Alabama beat today? South uh, South Carolina beat I mean Tennessee beat South Carolina yeah. and Alabama beat uh, Kentucky by like thirty six yeah. points.
1: And so when you look you, you, you kinda think, okay, maybe we're not you know I know we lost two t- two games in a row to SEC teams, but those might be the teams that you say, "Oh well," kind of like how in previous years Kentucky's been, where or kind of like how Alabama and Georgia are in football, where you're like, "We're not." That doesn't really count towards anything. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I could be honest, be honest with you, I think either of those teams can win the national championship this year. They're that good.
2: Well, the thing about the Alabama game is, as we were in it, it just comes down to making wide-open layups and making free throws. If we make free throws and layups, we win by 10. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how bad it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tennessee game, I mean, I didn't watch it. I listened to it on the radio because I was on the road. But it went to 16 nothing. and I turned it off because my blood pressure got yeah. so high. Yeah. So I can't, I can't tell you what. But, I mean, that's the same Tennessee team we've seen for – Three or Biscovi, four years. We've seen him. We've that, been that, as that long as we've been students European, here. Yeah. That yeah, left-handed Europeans been there. Do they still got that seven foot one mm-hmm. guy? Yeah, the ugly one. With yeah. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's I don't been remember there. his name, but yeah, I can't pronounce his name. Yeah. If you did remember it, but I mean, he's he's been there for forever. I mean, they have just they've had the same guys for four years now. So that's obviously going to be a tough. Well, game it's in funny. Knoxville. So it's funny you
0: mentioned the Alabama game because. Like you said, if we had uh, just cleaned some stuff up, made our free throws, made some wide-open layups, we would have been in that game, had a chance to And meet. who
1: knows what happens with the sold-out hump. You yeah, go either way.
0: Yeah, but going back to that Tennessee game where we went down 16 nothing rather quickly, it didn't seem like our players got off the bus. Like, there was no effort. There was no consistency. Like, they looked like they were in shell shock in Knoxville. Like, they were not ready to play. And we saw a complete opposite team tonight where they were ready to play against Ole Miss, came out, performed pretty solidly for the first half. There was a little bit of a lull in the second and then closed out strong when the crowd got back into it. Yeah, for sure, I would say.
1: Um, Graham? What's up? All right, let me ask. if, If you were Chris Jans... Tell me your starting guards that you would like because, for me, it's not Davis and it's not Jamel Horton.
2: Well, Horton's got – Horton plays hard and he plays really good defense. Have you but seen I, that man shot? I, yeah, I was trying to be nice. I'm going to bring his <laughs> shot up. He's got a funky release. Um Honestly, to be as small as I am, I like I like running a bunch of forwards. Like, I, I really wouldn't mind having DJ out there. Jeffrey's at the two. I wouldn't I like Eric Reed to be honest with you. He plays so hard. He does. He pl- he shoots the ball well, contrary to popular belief. He mm-hmm. has an ugly shot too, mm-hmm. but it goes in a lot. So I would have Eric uh Reed Junior at the one, DJ Jeffries at the two, uh Stevenson and Matthews at the three and four, then I would still stick with Tulu because Tulu has been he has been your guy since um yeah. two years ago after we lost Perry in a do. I mean yeah. Tulu's been – even with Adou here. Wait, did – they played together, didn't I, they? I'm not sure. Or it might have been – he played with Perry, one of the two. I think he played with Perry, but – But can, Tulu Smith's been your guy for yeah. three years. Granted, he had old Hallen who didn't know his left shoe from his right, but Tulu has been your guy for you, – you can't just bench him after two bad games.
1: Yeah, so we've kind of talked about that a little bit with – Howland had talented players but he just didn't know how to coach in game and it kind of feels like the opposite with Jans. like he has the coaching ability but doesn't have the the talent that we're used to seeing from a a Ben Howland roster and we don't, I I don't think it's necessarily his fault coming in first year but kind of do you see that changing at all?
2: I think we're going to get some good recruits. Um, Jans is a fun fact, he's like the second highest active winning percentage of head coaches in college basketball. I mean, people want to play for Jans. Um, mm-hmm. Took New Mexico to, I think the second round in the NCAA tournament, maybe a sweet 16. I mean, how, what, what is there to recruit out in New Mexico? I mean, if he can get that into the NCAA yeah. tournament, he can get Mississippi boys in there. Um, yeah. This is by far the least talented team since I've been at school.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. So, Going continuing into SEC play, we got Georgia um, on Wednesday, and then Duh. we play Auburn next weekend. Duh. what What is it going to take as Chris Jans, as a Mississippi State basketball team, to continue to be successful in SEC play? Like, how do we improve? What do you think needs yeah. to happen?
2: For gotta us, put to put the ball to win? in the basket. That's literally all you have to do. <laughs> That's the only thing this team is terrible at. You have to put the you gotta make easy shots. If we make mm-hmm. easy shots, we're Arguably, we only have one loss.
1: Yeah, because we're beating Drake and we're beating Alabama.
2: Oh, we're beating the crap out of Drake. They didn't have the athletes to run with us. We just missed easy shots. And you saw in the hump today, once once, uh, Shakir Moore hit a three, Eric Reed hit a three, we get a layup here and there. I mean, we we got on a little 10-0 run to kind of distance that game out enough where it's like, okay, Ole Miss has a shot to come back, but we're in the driver's seat and we're staying in the driver's seat. Um, We have got to make easy shots.
0: All right. So it's funny you mention that. I'm looking at the schedule here, and in two weeks we play Tennessee at home. And we played both Tennessee and Alabama twice this year, yeah. which is very unfortunate. But we do
1: get Tennessee at home on January 17th, I think. Yeah,
0: so it'll be first day of classes. All the students will be back. We'll probably have a packed-out hump. It'll probably be sold out if we win Georgia and Auburn. Even just one of those. If we pick yeah. up
1: one of those wins. Winning at Auburn is a really tough thing to do mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. So if we drop that one, I'm, I, I would expect us to lose that game. They're a top-25 team. But yeah. – I mean, you don't know. You get a team in here at the hump, and it's going to be sold out if we if we beat Georgia. Yeah, at, coming after a, a win on Ole Miss, and I, I think uh, I, I think it'll be a, a really interesting game, a lot more competitive than at uh, Tennessee.
0: Let's see. That's what I was fixing to get to. So the Ole Miss game that you asked about earlier, it was uh, sixty three to fifty nine. So Tennessee ends up winning by four points at Ole Miss. I think we could have a very similar type of game at Mississippi State with a packed out hump. If maybe not the other way, if we get everything going the right way. Yeah. So, Graham, do you think we'll
1: run the table and then get Tennessee at home the next couple games? So, we got at Georgia.
2: I haven't watched Georgia play. They're They're bad. They're bad. They're They're the last. They don't have an Anthony Edwards or anything Mm -hmm. like that this year. So, they're bad. You expect to win that game. It's on the road in Athens, though. You got Auburn. Auburn's been tough this past couple of years, but they also don't have the second overall draft pick this year.
1: They don't. They don't
2: have, what was that kid's name? Oh, I don't remember. He was awesome we, last year. We
1: almost beat him. We at almost beat him at the home. Yeah. That was,
2: besides tonight, that was probably – actually, I would take – I would say that Auburn game was more intense because it was overtime, back and forth.
1: And it didn't help that there was more Auburn fans, Mississippi State fans That It was about 50-50. Yeah.
2: I mean, it was, it was intense. Um. Honestly, I would love to see an upset there. Love mm-hmm. to. As a Mississippi State fan though, you're thinking we're not. It's probably a loss. It's probably a loss. Um, winning on the road in basketball is just so tough to do. Yeah, it I mean it is, but then again, it's Auburn. You you might have a good amount of state fans there. I mean, it's a drive, yeah. but it's not It's a Saturday game too, so I mean, you expect a packed out Auburn Arena, but you still might travel. So,
1: I was looking for tickets for that game. And do you know how much a ticket is for standing room only?
2: I'm going with $64 because I'm seeing it on ESPN right now. Oh, it is? It, it was a lot higher than that when I looked a couple of weeks ago. Maybe they've,
1: since they've lost a couple of games, they're not as coveted games. But they were ridiculous on, like, Ticketmaster.
2: Well, that's pretty crazy. Considering I'm looking at the same uh, ESPN, you know, they got the little tickets as low yeah. as, well, at Missouri as low as six dollars. So that's still I think, a difference I think Georgia,
1: Georgia was four dollars to go to that. Yeah, game. It's
2: five bu- as low as five bucks. I mean, I mean, I'm not. I can't stand Bruce Pearl, so I'll never say he's going to beat us. But you know, so
1: what? So what do you have wrong with Bruce Pearl?
2: just everything <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's a good person nobody no old man should be that tan when he takes off his shirt that's one I don't know if y'all remember that, <laughs> that fiasco he had It's, it's just obnoxious so who looks better with their shirt off
1: Bruce Pearl or Ed Ogeron
2: oh Ogeron <laughs> oh. I'm a Louisiana native so it's okay I'll go with Ogeron mm, that's funny but, yeah, I mean, we got Tennessee. That should – I mean, you expect to be competitive. Mm-hmm. You really do. And out of these next four games, along with Florida at home, Saturday in the hump, 730, that's going to be close to sold out, if not sold out. It's going to be a good um, game. You expect to win that one because – You need to win it. Florida is not the same Florida of yeah. old with Joking Noah and Corey mm-hmm. Brewer. and. They got that one tall white kid that's injured half the time that ESPN loves to show and just – they love him for some reason. I don't yeah. think he's that good. Yeah. But
0: – Then you got to go right back at it with Bama. Then you got to go Tuscaloosa. to Bama,
2: which I will probably be loss. going to that game. Tickets as low as $4 in case y'all are wondering. Um, then – but, I mean, within the next two weeks, let's just go to the month of January. Then mm-hmm. t- TCU, you mm-hmm. expect to win that game. It's, it's big a big 12 home. school. I mean, it's a small private school. How good can TCU really be? Well, at they basketball? are number seventeen in the nation right now. That is true, but I don't believe in TCU. I okay. just don't. Okay. It, don't it's a home in. game as well on a weekend. It I'm is a sure. home game on a weekend. Um. Then you have at South Carolina, who yeah. is we should win that. They lost that little left-handed Russian guy they had mm-hmm. two years ago, and have stunk since. Mm-hmm. So you really expect to go five hundred, if not, well, six we, wins in January. We have a very favorable
1: down the stretch part of the schedule where we should be able to rip off five or six games in a row towards the end of the season absolutely I mean you close with A&M, South Carolina, Vanderbilt so that's what I'm saying if you can get through February really if you can get through January 500 in the SEC we're going to be
2: up there in the SEC standings at that point let's see what would that put us at where it'd be let's see are you just talking about three? Yeah, five hundred through January. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we've got just looking at the schedule. We've got LSU at home, Kentucky at home, a And M at home, South Kentucky Carolina at
2: home. That Kentucky game's going to be wild because they're very beatable this year. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're come, they're young. None of them can buy alcohol. They're so young. I mean, it's
1: that's that's. So let me get your take on that. Do you believe in the the one and done?
2: Uh, in college basketball, I believe it's good for the individual, for the program. If I was a coach, I, well, if you're John Calipari, you're thinking I can get all these five stars for one year, coach them for three months, have a season, and let it be. But you, I don't know if y'all remember during the COVID season when Kentucky had a month of practice before they played; they were mm-hmm. terrible, and they had yeah. like the best high school recruiting class. Yeah, and
1: it's. It kind of is catching up with them, constantly having to teach 18-year-olds. And then you, you look on the flip side and you got uh, guys like Tolu who are 23, you know, playing. And it, that's a five-year age
2: gap. And it does show. It does show. Mm-hmm. In some oh, way. absolutely. I mean, you could just get bullied around. And there's only so many 18-year-olds that are just like, this dude's an animal. You know, DeAndre yeah. Ayton, when he was at Arizona, I – that is the only dude I've seen in the past five years. It's like, why is this eighteen year old playing college Z- maybe basketball? Maybe Zion, maybe Zion, but Zion also he made stupid mistakes every like, every yeah. game. He had one pass. It was just like, why? Wow, that's that's a freshman, right? I mean, there's only been one guy I've seen, which was DeAndre Ayton in college. who was just like, this dude does not need to play college basketball. He's just that good, right? All right, so I got one more question for you, Graham. All
0: right, going through the season who do you think has to step up in order for us to have a successful over 500 season? Like who's going to have to
2: have be that breakout
0: player this year?
2: The real question is who doesn't have to step up? Cause they all got to put the ball in the basket. They all like, I can't stress enough. Yeah. Shakir Moore has to be more efficient from the three point line. Uh, Davis, Davis just has to look like he wants to score sometimes. Right. Just sometimes. Um, Stevenson off the bench, you need those eight points he gives you. Mm -hmm. He took three shots tonight. That was just like – And they were forced. Very much forced. He's a good – he's a very good shooter. He – he did not need to take those shots. Uh, but the biggest one, you need Tulu to step up. Tulu is, he plays a lot smaller than he actually is. He's mm-hmm. one of the biggest human beings I've ever seen in person. I mean, his shoulders wouldn't yeah. fit through most doors and yeah,
0: most homes. A 6'11 guy's playing like he's like, what, six seven. 6'7"? Well, maybe? It, it, yeah. He's
2: not playing at his weight. He's probably two eight, He's probably 280, and he, he's playing like he's 180, 210, just mm-hmm. getting pushed around. I mean, throw some elbows, bro. Yeah. you know talk some smack talk yeah. about their moms dunk yeah. on some people Yeah, um, right
1: kind of you know speaking of that we we got a whole lot of that this afternoon with the Ole Miss player specifically named Jamion Breakfield from Ole Miss and I know I know you have some thoughts
2: about Jamion and his antics on the court today I've never seen anybody talk smack to a opposing band before like I've seen people going back with the student section but the band of all people. Well, so he started off real hot and then he came down and shush
0: the band and then runs well, off to the other court. I noticed it even in warm ups when
1: he was making a shot, he would, you know, do some kind of mouthing and antics at the at the at the maroon band and I'm like, dude, act like you're a college basketball player and you've
2: seen this before. He was acting like a kid. I, I, I can't say I was a fan of him. I've never heard of him till tonight, so he's obviously not that good at basketball. Well, but, you know, um,
0: after that first half, you know, he didn't really produce at all. He looked like he was scared to shoot the ball. Like,
2: I think Cam Matthews locked him down, is what it had mm-hmm. to do. With, well, Cam Matthews would lock anybody down. I mean, that's 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 not knocking old so uh, Breakfield. You are saying Cam would lock you down? Cam would one hundred percent steal my lunch money, <laughs> steal my girlfriend, then go dunk on me. What a game from him, though! Like,
0: can we talk about that for a second? That man yeah. had. An intensity tonight on both sides of the well, ball. You know what you're going to get out of Cam, and he's always he's
1: consistent in what he does. As long as he stays out of foul trouble, he is very valuable to this team. Yeah. Um, Graham, I was I was saying this during the game, and you see Cam out there, you know, rebounding, you know, with the ball above the rim, and just the at- raw athleticism. And my thought is, why in the world is that man not catching passes? For Will Rogers and you know being a
2: tight end on the football team because he'd be <laughs> that's that a good question that's a very good I mean question. I don't want to meet that guy coming around the end with you know lead Brocken for Simeon Bryce and March I mean he's just not a skinny guy you know he he's he's, he's pretty like solid goal line fade to that guy he's catching it he's catching it he's catching it that's what I'm saying
1: but uh no I just kind of uh wrapping things up I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what do you think would be a successful season for Mississippi state this year realistically
2: realistically um this is already a successful season you have a first year head coach um you're coming off of just just not miserable years because we made the nit one year and the turn or nit two years and the tournament yep. one year and eight years or mm-hmm. however long it I was a, here. yeah i mean we had a tournament appearance and all that but First year head coach to pack out the hump twice, and it's—I mean, it's January. People right. are talking about Mississippi State basketball in January, not—not not figuring out. Oh, if we just play how we're supposed to play, it's not a. We finally don't have a season where, well, you know, if we just make it to the SEC championship, we got a shot to get in as a 15th seed. And I, yeah. I mean, this has already been a successful season outside of us just losing the next ten games. You know, fifteen yeah, games, right? Unless we just completely skid. I'm thinking. In the SEC. I'm thinking. If you win six SEC games, you're satisfied. Obviously, it's not what you want. If you break five hundred SEC play, I think you are dancing like David in the rain. Especially mm-hmm. with the roster that I know, mean, he had coming in. I mean, you got to think. This is this is it's a good. It's a very talented ball club that plays really hard. This yeah. is by far the least talented Mississippi State roster we've seen in. Since Lamar Peters and those guys were here. I mean, Lamar Peters would be the best guard on this team by miles. By miles. Iverson Molinar would be the best person on this team by miles. Reggie Perry would be the best player on this team. Any of the – oh, crap, those boys from Canton. I'm totally blanking. The Weatherspoons. Any of the Weatherspoons, especially Q, would be the best player on this team Mm -hmm. by miles. And that includes Nick, who only played six games one season. Those six games, he would have been the best player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. You can name a couple other guys that would be the second or third best player on this team. Tyson would, Carter. if all Tyson was. Carter would probably be the best player on this team. Maybe yeah. not the best, but he would be the best shooter by far. But yeah, me and Mason
1: were saying if we had a Tyson Carter on this team, we would be a top 25 team this year.
2: Well, you expect Shaq Moore to act like that, which he kind of was like that tonight. I mean, he came in. He knocked down a couple of threes. He finally – It seems like he's been out of rhythm offensively, which he's been last year. He's been injured this year. I think it's a hip or something like that. Yeah. Um. So he looks like he's finally getting into rhythm and all that. But you expect Shaq Moore to act like that Tyson Car that comes off the bench and it's just like the the crazy waves just go steady. Well, he Mm -hmm. has a really nice shot. It's beautiful. It just
1: it don't go in a lot of times. (laughs) He's shooting like (laughs) twenty five percent from the three point line. And I think that's
2: just getting in rhythm.
1: I think it's worse. Yeah. I think it's like 20%.
2: I mean, it's just getting in rhythm, getting your shot, taking smart shots. And yeah. I think a lot earlier in the year he was forcing stuff. He was trying to make too many pretty plays, maybe something like that. But I think, I think by the TCU game, you're talking about Shaq Moore. Like, who can stop him? I'm hoping that's what we're talking okay. about off the bench. I really – I mean, there was a time, a stretch where Tyson Carter was scoring 15 points off the bench. Well, it's it's weird because I feel like we get more
1: production out of our bench than our starters half the time. I agree. With uh, Shaq
2: and Stevenson and McNair. I mean, those three alone. Well, Stevenson, nobody knew about Stevenson because he transferred from USM or something, was it? Yes. Mm -hmm. He went to Southern Southern Miss to play basketball. Not a basketball school, if you didn't know, but... um, Nobody knew about Stevenson this season. Yeah. I did not know about Stevenson this season. Then he dropped like 12 in a game, like like six for seven shooting. It was like, oh, he had a good night. Does the same thing well, the he, next night. He was our leading scorer at
1: Tennessee the other game. Not that anybody watched the second half, but he put up, I think, 15
2: points on Tennessee. I mean, He's a good ball player. He's a very good – and he plays hard. He really does yeah. play hard well um with that
1: i think we're going to wrap up this section of uh talking about basketball and the win over Ole miss and uh it was good to have you on graham i appreciate it i think we're gonna kind of do this throughout the year we'll touch base with you and kind of get your thoughts on how the basketball team's going throughout the season and um looking forward to the season and how it how it progresses mason you got anything
0: no, I just want to go ahead and say this, just for all the fans out there from the school up north, guess who runs the SIP now? Go to hell, Ole Miss. Yeah. I would like to add that
2: as well. You heard it here first, guys. I mean, Graham says it himself. Speaking of did y'all have Ole Miss fans in you all section? No. Uh, we, were cause we were we were sitting on opposite sides of the band. There was probably a 45-year-old Ole Miss fan that was just yeah. sitting two rows above me. And I looked at one of our burlier friends, Will McKinnis, give him a shout-out. I said, if I talk trash, you have to say something, too, because you are much bigger than I am. (laughs) But it's just God bless them. God bless people up there.
1: Yep, for sure. All right, with that, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, Graham, for your time. And this has been Dogs on Demand.
0: All right, and so that was was our post-game opinions on the Ole Miss game. I know it's been a little while since – that game happened, but that was our live yeah. reactions and a little bit of Graham's and, reactions to it. And
1: right, and talking
0: about the basketball team, you know,
1: since that, since we had that, that um, conversation with Graham, we've lost back-to-back away games in basketball. And it, it I, I don't know. It's just the team can't score, and that's what it's come yeah. down to, unfortunately. I mean, we lost to a... Fifty-eight to fifty against a really average Georgia team. Didn't play well at all in that game. Mm-hmm. I thought we played a lot better on Saturday, coming up against a top twenty-five ranked Auburn team on the road. Yeah, that's the kind of game you don't expect to win. But Mississippi State was in it all the way into the end. We just, we honestly, it was a shooting. I mean, we had the free throws in this game. We shot seventy-five percent from the floor, but we were oh. Of eighteen mm-hmm. on the three point line, yeah, and that's going to lose you in a game you play. And I'm surprised it was as close as it was. To be honest with you, because you can't shoot like that in the SEC and expect to to win a game. And that's exactly you know what has happened in the past couple of games is we haven't been able to score points, and that's kind of been the theme all year. We're averaging right at fifty eight and a half points a game um, before the Auburn game, and we scored sixty three. So we're going to be right in that sixty point a game. Uh, right in that point line for the rest of the year is what it's looking like because it, it's not really changing. And I, I keep looking for a, a breakout performance from from one of the guards, just absolutely light it up, go, you know, like four for six from the three-point line. And it's just, it hasn't happened yet. And I don't know if it is going to happen. It's We're going to have to win uh, rock fights is what, essentially what we're going to have to do.
0: Well, yeah, just like you said, uh, that's, that's our issue is we don't have shooters. We don't have guys that are going to step up we don't have anybody that's just a solid shooter we are terrible from the floor uh and yeah. that in that georgia game that is what lost the game for us was free throws we were 7 for 22 that and, yeah, right and then 7 for 27 on three points and then you go to that auburn game we did a hill a heck of a lot better <laughs> heck of a lot better yeah. in free throws and it showed on the scoreboard 21 right. for 28 but we still don't have shooters 0 for 18 on three-point percentage. Right, and, and that's that's what makes or breaks the game. We don't have anybody that can shoot the ball. And so we're going to continue to see these grind-out games where if we can't hold them to under 55 points, we will probably lose because we just can't score. Right.
1: And, you know, talking about what's next for the basketball team, we have the number five ranked Tennessee Volunteers coming into the hump Tuesday night. Tennessee's coming off of a close loss to a all-over-the-place Kentucky team, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to be ready to go coming yeah. off of a loss, especially at home. I think they're going to be looking to prove something because they'll drop. They won't be number five when the rankings are released tomorrow, mm-hmm. but they'll still be a top-ten team going into that game. And Like you said, if, we, if we're going to have any chance at all, we're going to have to keep them – at least in the 60s to have a chance in this yeah. game because they destroyed us at tennessee in knoxville and so yeah i don't know how you can go two weeks and completely change the, an outcome that was that great you know it was, i think it was by more than 30 points or right around there so mm-hmm. if you have any advice mason on what the team needs to do please be my guest and contact coach James because i <laughs> He probably needs some advice too.
0: Yeah. Well, so these are my personal thoughts right here. For us to be competitive, to have a chance in this game, there are two things we got to do. We have to create shots and be aggressive in the paint, and we have to make free throws. If we want to have any chance at winning this game, we got to go at least 50% on free throws, hopefully like 60, like two thirds. You really want like 66%, but we have to be aggressive in the paint. And be willing to drive and, you know, create some lanes and get on, get, get the other team in foul trouble early so that we can capitalize on that and get more free throws, get more easy points. Um, but let me go ahead and say this on the flip side we are not the, we're by far not the worst team in the SEC. We're just a bang average SEC team. We right show now. flashes yes. for sure. So, Georgia, I want to talk about them for a second. They, Are not the greatest team in the SEC. Traditionally, they're pretty bad, but they went and beat Ole Miss last week pretty convincingly, I think it was. I don't remember the exact. So they beat
1: us and Ole Miss. They beat Ole Miss on Saturday as well.
0: Yes. And so you had some other upsets around the league. I think uh, Vandy Vandy upset. um, Was it Alabama? Uh. Vandy upset somebody. Let me look here. I think it was Alabama. I have it right here. So Vanderbilt
1: upset uh, top-ranked, top-25-ranked Arkansas. Arkansas. 97-84. to They almost score 100 points in the game.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, it's SEC. There's going to be – you can't really ever tell what's going to happen. They're going to be, especially in basketball, they're going to be teams that shouldn't win, that come out and win games that they shouldn't. And they're going to be teams that you think are way better than they are. Now that being said, Tennessee is a amazing, probably top ten team in the nation. They are. They're they're real. They're they're really good. Yeah. And so we don't know what's going to happen. If we have the right flash, um, something very good is possible to happen. Especially being in the hump, having that home field advantage, we're blacking it out so oh, really yeah so when you were a student or fan and you go to this game make sure to wear black it's a blackout um and that's the thing if Tolu plays like he did
1: against auburn and we have one guy who can knock down if we make four three-pointers if we make three three-pointers out of 18 we win that game yeah. which is shooting like eight percent from yeah. the floor yeah. on the three-point line so it's crazy to think we could have um knocked off auburn in their 27th I guess it's 28-game home winning streak now. They have the second longest win streak in basketball on their home court. Yeah.
0: And, I mean, the same thing goes for Georgia. They are – I think they're 9-0 at home in the SEC. But or, they're so beatable. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating. And, and it just goes to show that home field advantage, you know, that really it changes – it changes the complexity of basketball.
1: Our, our only loss on our home court is to the number four ranked Alabama who scored over 100 points – on saturday so yeah i mean who knows it is at the hump anything can happen especially i just don't know how much the fans are gonna be bought into it anymore i'm not expecting a sellout this game
0: yeah well i know the
1: students are coming back and the students will be there yeah i'm not sure if people will drive on a tuesday afternoon from jackson to go to see that game
0: i don't think so but it it's very likely to be like the uh what was it? The Ole Miss game? Yeah. where Where they called a sellout crowd and every ticket was sold, but not every seats filled.
1: Yeah. And the Ole Miss game was, I think it was like 9,200 out of 10,5. Yeah. So was there was like, still like a thousand, a little over thousand seats 90% left. 90% full. Right.
0: I think we're looking at maybe 75, 80% for this Tuesday night game at best.
1: Well, I think there's going to be a lot of Tennessee fans there, oh, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Yes. It might, the home field advantage might not be as much as we'd like, but. Show up, wear black, yeah. root on the dogs tomorrow right. night at 6. Yeah, speaking of blowouts, um,
1: <laughs> let's talk about that national championship game.
0: Yeah, so amazing performance by Georgia. TCU was honestly the best thing I can compare it to right off the top of my head. And this is going to make a lot of folks happy and a lot of folks upset. The Ole Miss National Championship Series. Where they played um,
1: Oklahoma, Oklahoma,
0: and baseball, and And they just—it didn't seem like the other team was prepared. It didn't seem like they showed up. It seemed like a mismatch. Yeah, it really did, and it really showed the gap between Georgia and TCU and the SEC and the Big—is that Big Twelve or Big Ten? Big Twelve, Big Twelve, and you know, as an SEC SEC fan, I was like, "Heck yeah, put it to them." but at the same time i was like this is the most boring game i've ever seen i mean 65 to 7 like yeah. they put in their they put in their second third string defensive guys and some of them were playing better than their starters i know it like congrats to tcu for getting there but it really shows a discrepancy in talent in my opinion between the sec and the big 12 or just any of these other conferences it really is sec versus everybody else yeah,
1: I just man, it was very anticlimactic, and I, I predicted it to be a blowout, but I was not expecting fifty-eight point blowout. TCU didn't show up either. Yeah. I don't. I know Georgia came to play, and Georgia doesn't always have the the best mentality, but they came up to play like they came out and uh, punched TCU right in the mouth, and TCU wasn't ready. They thought it was just going to be another game, you know, national championship, yeah, we're excited to be here. I think the occasion was too big for TCU, and I think Georgia had been there, done that, and they weren't scared of all the bright lights and the the atmosphere and everything to go along with playing a national championship game, and it and it, is, it showed who had been there before. Yeah. Not only that, I mean, it helps when, you know, your starter goes out and you bring in a guy who's – just as good if not better. And the only reason that he's not on the field yet is because of seniority. So uh yeah, props to Georgia. I'm so happy we don't draw them on the schedule next year. I know Ole Miss has to go to Athens um and play Georgia, which let's be honest, that is you're playing with eleven games at that point because Georgia's going to up your tail. Didn't matter doesn't outside of the top top five recruiters in the country you're playing with one less game if you're playing against Georgia.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so like this year as a Mississippi State fan, you know, we chalked it up as uh, Alabama lost, Georgia lost. We're playing with 10 games. Yeah. And so Ole Miss will be in the same, um, they'll be in the same situation this year. They'll have two of them that they will have to just pretty much chalk up his L's And you've got 10 wins Because to work they're
1: playing with. at Bryant-Denny and mm-hmm. then at Georgia as well. So that's essentially two losses off the bat. They're playing with 10 games next year, like kind of how we did this past year.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's going to be great to watch from our perspective, going from the schedule we had and then watching them get a little taste of that medicine. Uh, but – It'll also be interesting to see in a few years when Oklahoma and Texas joins how they decide to change that up. Yeah, it will. And I'm um,
1: at that point it's almost like the SEC championship is is gonna be more credible. Like the SEC championship game is gonna be more credible than the national championship game. Oh yeah. Because we saw today, I mean, the national championship, let's be real, was against Georgia versus Ohio State. I mean, those were the two best teams in college football this year. Yes. And so outside of your – outside of Ohio State, who who else around the rest of the country is going to challenge the SEC anymore? They're, that's it. Clemson's fallen off the past couple of years. I mean, that's for sure. And um, maybe a Southern Cal if they get really good, but – they they showed flashes this year, but nothing special, nothing that really scared you, you know. And so it, it kind of makes you wonder who else outside of the SEC is really going to be worth anything in the next couple of years.
0: Well, so you're going to see, as the Tennessee coach said the other day in that podcast, and then you've got um, the the SEC commissioner even, like when they expand the playoffs to 12 teams, it's going to be the top four SEC teams and then everybody else, if not more. and So you're going to end up with a college. I wouldn't be surprised if the first year you end up with a college football playoff semifinals that consists of all four SEC teams. That would be fantastic. And do you know how mad everybody else in the country is going to be if that happens? Man, it's going to be great when you have Alabama, Georgia,
1: LSU, and Mississippi State in an all-playoff matchup (laughs) in two years. It's going to be
0: great. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting because – like you said, there's maybe two or three teams that are credible to maybe even be in that top five matchup in the country, other than Georgia. Uh, Ohio State's one of those teams. Ohio State of, can
1: beat them; they have the talent.
0: You could maybe say Michigan this year. They were there. They it was a competitive game, but they yep. ended up losing. Um, Clemson's I, falling off, dude. They're not really a threat yeah, anymore. Like, who else is there really? There's nobody that's like super competitive like, this year that has that Especially renowned since program.
1: Texas is coming to the SEC now, too. Yeah. It's – I mean, it really is going to be SEC versus the rest at, at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, so, like, this year you had those – honestly, looking back, going to make the Alabama fans happy. They had a, a heck of a lot better case for the playoffs after seeing that performance by TCU.
1: Yeah, they did, for sure.
0: And so, you know, in the next few years it's going to be – sec versus everybody else and i'm all here for it you know those boys up north they're gonna throw their little fits at the ncaa but i'm all about it because you know the south just does it better and there's all there is to it <laughs> yeah speaking of people
1: and colleges doing it better Mississippi state has some new hires um coming off of a uh, bowl season i knew we all knew that the uh the staff was going to be busy, you know, making changes, people leaving, people also coming in. And we talked a little bit on the last podcast about a potential rumor that we were hearing with Chad Bumpus coming back to Mississippi State, yes. and that rumor has turned out to be true. And I could not be more excited for it. Chad was really one of the first he was one of the first receivers under Mullen that really, you know, made an impact and was really a game changer. He started as a true freshman just because of how bad our depth chart was under Kareem on the offensive side of the football. Yeah. And he did all sorts of things. We we gave him the ball a little bit out of the backfield. He mm-hmm. caught passes. He mm-hmm. punt, He gave us some great punt returns. And he really, you know, if, if we can get that kind of production from another player from whoever he's going to be coaching this next year, we will take that and run with that. Um Couldn't be happier with Chad coming home. I think he will help us a whole lot on the recruiting trail because he's from Tupelo. He knows Mississippi. He has a ton of connections here. And so I'm super excited for uh, Chad to be back with Mississippi State.
0: Yeah. So just like you said, Tupelo native. uh, He played 50 games starting as a freshman uh, in in the Mullen era from 2009 to 2012. Had a total of two thousand two hundred seventy yards. Look, all I'm
1: saying is, imagine Chad getting thrown passes by Will Rogers or Dak Prescott. Oh, he yeah. had he had old uh Chris Ralph throwing him passes. Yeah, and so you're just like, wow, what if he was playing with Dak that year when that when, yeah. when we
0: went all the way? Twenty five total touchdowns, twenty four pa- receptions, and one rushing, and then a punt return for a touchdown. Yeah, and so. Like you said, very explosive player. It's going to be exciting what he can do for our receivers. Uh, I think he's going to be great as rec- as a Tupelo native recruiter because he's going to know what to say. He's like, hey, look, I've been here. I've done it. I'm from around mm-hmm. here. I'm not. You know what you're going to get into when you come to this school. And so it's a great offensive hire. Yeah. Speaking of the other
1: offensive hires, you want to get into
0: a couple yeah. of those? Yeah. So we've got um, Kevin Barbay is our offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Um, he spent two seasons, one season at each school. I think it was Arizona State. It and was Central Michigan and um, Appalachian State. App State, App State, right. sorry. And he is a very interesting coach to look at, especially for Mississippi State offense. He is has an average of 448 yards per game, and he's ranked top 20 nationally as an as a OC. And so his offenses usually score about 30 points a game on average, very high-scoring offense. Um, he is one of the top five offensive coordinators in terms of explosive downfield pass plays. And he – let's see – yeah, so a 33.61 points per game average, and he has a interesting balance between running the ball and passing the ball. So he runs the ball about 55 to 60% of the time and then passes about 40%. But like I said, when he passes the ball, he's not afraid to go downfield and throw deep explosive pass plays because he is one of the top five ranked nationally for that.
1: Yeah, and like you said, I was just – It's going to be really interesting to kind of just just to see the the change in the offense. And with the Mm -hmm. same personnel, how quickly are we going to adapt to a 60% run the ball team with the personnel that we currently have? Because right now, we don't have any tight ends or tight end coach. And so... Look here. I'm just gonna throw out a suggestion. Cam Matthews at tight end would be unstoppable. I don't think he's gonna be here because <laughs> I think he's a senior. Yeah. But that dude could play tight end. Anyway, talking about Kevin Barbe, the big complaint we had with Leach was we can never generate any explosive play, explosive plays down the field, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Kevin Barbe gets you. He's not going to throw the ball sideline to sideline and do all the, you know, the quick under five-yard throws that um, we were used to under Mike Leach. Kevin's a much more of a, we're going to run the ball to lull you asleep, and then we're going to hit you with a dagger over the top. Um, and and that's really what Mississippi State has lacked over the past couple of years, is that explosive playmaking ability. And I just hope that we're going to have the receivers to be able to do that. I... I know Xavion will be back and I think he, he can play a big part of things as well as Justin Robinson. Mm-hmm. Now there has been reports that Tolu or Tulu Griffin is um in the portal now. And so we'll see what he ends up doing, whether he decides to come back or whether he goes somewhere else. That'll be a that's one of the few guys on the roster that I don't feel like we can replace this year. Yeah. Um just because of how long he's been here and his leadership capabilities and his explosive playmaking, I mean, he's the best return man in the conference. Yeah, but no, going back on Kevin Barbe, I think it was an excellent hire, mm-hmm. kind of an under the radar guy that not many people were expecting. I know there was a lot of rumors about Kendall Browse, the offensive coordinator at Arkansas, coming, and mm-hmm. he ended up getting a raise at Arkansas and staying there. But no, all in all, I'm I'm pleased with the Barbe hire and. It's going to be a lot more balanced system, and we're going to finally stop hearing on TV about, oh, you know. Air raid, air raid, air raid. raid. Right, it's, it's going to be Mississippi State runs a good offense, and they're going to hit shots down the field. And when they're not, Simeon Price and uh Marks, Woody Marks are going to tear you up on the ground.
0: Yeah, well, so it's going to be a lot more reminiscent of a Dan Mullen offense because he likes to run a power eye, just like Dan Mullen like The power, uh, the power spread. Yeah. And so going off of that, you know, you're going to come up with packages that have a lot more heavier sets, bigger O-line, tight ends, as you mentioned. And that brings us to our next hire through Wheel Friend. Uh, now he has – I don't think he's officially been announced what his position he, is, but it's going to probably be O-line. He's he's always been an O-line
1: coach, so yes. I would assume that he's O-line coach.
0: Yeah. And so Wheel Friend – has coached a little bit at, at Auburn, a little bit at ten, uh, Tennessee, and a little bit at Colorado State. Uh, has developed some amazing offensive linemen, some All Americans. Uh, so he's from
1: Mississippi as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, another local guy. And so you know he's gonna. He's got nine players that have been drafted in the draft. Coached a little bit at. He played a little bit at Alabama back in the 90s and Colorado State, Tennessee, and Auburn for three or four years each. Uh,
1: So Will was the one guy that I'm not sold on yet because I thought Mason Miller was a great offensive line coach for us. Okay. Mason has pulled off some great recruiting. Um, Mm -hmm. Some great recruiting gets the past couple of years. He signed that four-star offensive tackle out of uh, Texas this year, kind of out of a whim, out of junior college. And he's he – obviously, you know, he developed Cross and Quinson uh, Sharp, he'll go pro, our center. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one guy on our offensive staff that I thought that needed to be retained just because of the job that he had been doing. Yeah. But obviously, Zach, Zach Arnett saw – had a different vision for the team and decided, you know what, maybe it wasn't. Um, Mason, maybe Mason Miller wanted to seek other opportunities, and so mm-hmm. Zach, he went ahead and told Zach, and Zach went and found a replacement. That could be it, but I don't know. I, I'm gonna have to. It's gonna be interesting to see how Will Friend does because he's never coached in Mississippi, so it's gonna be interesting to see if he can uh, do the same job uh, as good or better as Mason Miller was doing.
0: Yeah. Well, let me go. Let me say this. Mason Miller, I think, has done an incredible job. But that being said, like you said, he's produced some really great O linemen, but it's always been like one or two guys. And it's never more than that. Like we'll have one or two really strong guys and then one or two guys that are really weak on the O line. And that's not to say that's anything at his fault. That's just kind of how it's been traditionally. Now, Will Friend is. According to Mississippi State, according to the SEC, NCAA, whatever you want to call it, he is a top 20% offensive line coach in the country. And they or remark on his recruiting or his ability to recruit as an offensive line coach, that's his two big things, is developing O-linemen and recruiting in the SEC. And now in the past, he's been at Tennessee and Auburn, so he's had a... A lot easier job recruiting, I think, because he's recruiting at schools that it's you know the nice school to recruit for. They're top ten yeah. recruiters. Yeah, so you're going to it's like it's like saying you're oh you're such a great recruiter, but you're recruiting at Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, L, uh, Auburn, whatever.
1: That, that's what I was getting at. Is can he recruit at somewhere that's outside the top twenty? You know, because no. Mississippi State's usually between twenty and twenty five, yeah, somewhere in there. How can he recruit when he's not? Just because he's wearing a specific sweatshirt, he Mm -hmm. gets a recruit.
0: Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he can do. Hopefully, he'll be able to relate, have an easier time recruiting because, like you said, he is a Philadelphia, Mississippi native. And so you would hope he hasn't coached here, but you know, he'd be able to say, hey, look, I live here. I know how it works. Right. And I can get this done. And it'll be interesting to see there are a lot of moving pieces, especially in our offense, all these different coaches coming together. Yeah. Um, but I I love that Zach Arnett is trying to build his own program. He's really going out and he's getting the guys he wants. And honestly, like even looking back at Bar Bay, like you said, like um we were obviously going for we were hoping to get the guy from Arkansas and that just, just it didn't pan through and he's one of those under the radar hires, but You know, with what he was given, the time timeline he had, he is. I think he's done a phenomenal job on a lot of these hires that we've talked about, and that we're going to keep talking about. Right, for sure. And you know, speaking
1: of the big boys up front, let's flip to the other side of the ball. Yeah. Mississippi State has convinced David Turner to come back to Mississippi State after a, a temporary leave of absence, and I'm really excited about this. Yes. And this was one of the the positions on the defensive side of the ball. I thought we would go out and get a coach just because of how, let's be honest, how lack of productive our defensive line has been the past couple of years. Yeah. And, man, I, when I thought we were going to get somebody, I did not think that David Turner was coming back because that dude can recruit, mm-hmm. that dude can coach, that dude can develop. And we've seen it, you know, because
0: his players are playing in the Pro Bowl. Well, I mean, all right, so David Turner – if you don't know, he's been at Mississippi State twice already, and he's left, got jobs elsewhere, and then he came back, coached a few more years under Mullen, and then left again. Then um, this will be his third time back at Mississippi State. But David Turner is the guy that has produced all our flagship NFL players. He recruited and coached the yeah, guys the like Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, David. He recruited um, Simmons, Simmons, Sweat, Um who am I missing? I mean, that—that's your big four. Uh, those are the big four. Preston but Preston Smith, Preston Smith. Yeah, um, I think. Um, what's his name? I don't know. That, um, there's, there's a couple others. All but, those, all those big key names in the NFL. Turner has either recruited or coached, and those right, are all guys right. that cross. He's on the offensive, no, the offensive side. Uh, uh, anyways, I digress. Um, All these guys, he's recruited, he's coached them, and defensive linemen, these young dudes, they want to play for him. doesn't matter where he is or what he's doing. They want to play for him. And, you know, he's a 37-year vet. He's been doing it for a while. He's been to six New Year's Six Bowls. Um, He's a successful guy. He's going to bring you NFL-caliber talent. Yep. And so for our Mississippi State, Zach Arnett-minded defense, it's about the best hire you can get on D-line because he's going to get – man, if we had a Montez Sweat or a Jeffrey Simmons this year or a Fletcher Cox or Chris Jones, just one of them, imagine the difference we would have had on defense this year. We were already well, a great defense. you beat Kentucky then because you, you beat, don't lose the line of scrimmage on defense. I think, I think you win two more games because we had so many of our games came down to like half a second late on getting a sack on a key play that ended up giving a big pass downfield. Yeah.
1: I think the Kentucky game is a different story for sure. I think we could get one more win.
0: Yeah. But matching him up with our secondary, we already have our the linebackers. We're getting back as well. Linebackers are coming back. Zach Arnett's coaching our linebackers. Um, who is our cornerback's coach? Darcell
1: McBath, great coach. Great coach. He, he recruits he he recruits NFL talent. And yeah. we've seen a, a footprint of that with Forbes and uh um Martin Emerson mm-hmm. and now um Decam, Decameron Richardson. Yeah. And he'll be the next one to go pro after this next year.
0: Yeah. I think I think it's a little it might be a little too soon, but I think in the next Definitely in the next like two, three years, we're going to have a top 10, 15 defense in the nation. Look, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to predict it right now. You're going to hear it here
1: first on Dogs on the Man. State will be in the 12 team playoff come 2024.
0: I could very well see that happening with this. Chris Parson staff.
1: under his second year. Yep. Um, I, I just see the coaching staff having a year under their belt. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And we won't, we won't play hopefully georgia and alabama on the same year because they'll we'll switch up the schedule it'll be a whole new completely whole new sec so i could very well see a a Mississippi state team sneak into the playoff right around that 10 11 12 spot for sure yeah,
2: yeah.
0: it'll definitely be interesting to see but that is one of the one of the more exciting hires um Also, we got one more hire, one more hire to talk about the big man upstairs. If you haven't heard, Mississippi State has hired a athletic director Mm -hmm. and his name is his
1: name is Zach Selman. Zach's from he was the essentially what he did was he he ran the NIL and fundraising for the Oklahoma athletic department. Mm-hmm. he's a young guy he's still in his 30s mm-hmm. and mark keenum's taking a chance on a young guy that doesn't have um head athletic director experience and it's, it's another one of those young hires that we've kind of been on um i mean not very often is your athletic director your head coach your offensive coordinator and your defensive coordinator all under 40 years old which is what we have right now and so Zach's gonna bring. I, I think he's gonna bring a lot more attention to NIL in the Mississippi State fan base and a lot more fundraising. And I, I think he's gonna enable us to compete in the in football essentially, because that's what NIL boils down to is is football. And then you know you can maybe pay one good shooter or one good basketball player, but football is really where the NIL money is going to separate you because we'll have donors for baseball just naturally Mm -hmm. but I do think Zach Selman is fired up to be at Mississippi State I think he's excited to prove himself and I'm glad we have a bunch of young guys that need to improve themselves to to show that they have something and to make a career out of their lives You know, they still have their career in front of them versus behind them in that sense because you know Leach had his career behind him his mm-hmm. success his fame was known mm-hmm. the same thing with john cohen john yeah. cohen's will all forever be known as the great mississippi state football coach not Base, football baseball, baseball coach yeah. and uh his first tenure here at mississippi state as athletic director and let's be honest cohen was good relationally with his coaches Mm-hmm. I would say he was not very good at hiring. He was okay at hiring and he yeah. was not good at fundraising. Yeah. The NIL under Cohen was not good. And not I hope all. with Zach Selman, he'll bring a different energy and a different urgency in the fundraising side of athletics. And so I'm excited and I, I wish Zach all the best. And uh, yeah, that's what those are my thoughts on Zach.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, so he's been at Oklahoma for the past eight years as the um, assistant deputy athletic director, so he was second hand to the man at OU, um, and he did a fantastic job. His job there was, like you said, mainly fundraising, getting NIL money, talking to the big wigs, and just making sure that he was developing OU's not only financial but just their relations with their football program and their donors and their, their just relationship, not only on the field, but off the field. And he did a great job of that. And like you said, he is not a Mississippi guy. He's a young guy and it's, he's building his career at Mississippi state. And that's what you want because Cohen was on his way out. He was just collecting a check and he's established himself and he was just going to stay pretty mediocre. He, like you said, he didn't always have the best hires. He wasn't going to take risks yeah. like like I feel like Selman will. He was going to make sure that at the end of the day he made the safe hire. And he obviously did a great job in Lamonas at the current moment. Basketball coaches are painting out so far. Um, but before that, you know, he had a lot of football hires like Joe Moorhead or even, I don't remember. The woman's basketball coach. Yes. And then the. Uh, I'm not
1: sold on Lamonis. I'm going to be straight up with you.
0: Well, we, we've still got a season to see. He's really got to turn it around this year, especially after the awful performance we had last year. But hopefully these new players are coming in. We've got all these um, transfers transfers, and this these like top 100-ranked SEC freshmen uh, that we've got planned for. Us. So if they mesh, it should be a fine season. But we've got to see if they can mesh and if everything will work out. But – Going back to um, Selman, he knows how to build, how to finance and build your football program. And that's what Mississippi State needs right. more than anything. And he's a young guy, he's a really good Christian guys, got a great family. And he might not be from Mississippi, which I think is a good thing, so he can get money coming from outside of Mississippi into Mississippi State. But he has a lot of those qualities that makes it where you can have a long career at Mississippi right. State.
1: I, I, I like what the point you made there where he may not be from Mississippi, but he will fit in Mississippi very well.
0: Yeah. And so, like you said, we wish him the best. I'm excited for what he's going to do for our program, and he has plenty of time to ease his feet into it. No yeah. coaching hires he has to worry right. about. Um, he's got – All the programs are set. His biggest job is exactly what he's doing, and I think he can just run off with it. Just bring us money for now. Bring us money. And get after it. So, congratulations to all of these coaches. Um, We're excited to see what y'all are going to do, if y'all are part of the football program or just the AD program. Uh, It's a great day to to be a Bulldog. It is. It's an exciting day. And I think that's going to about wrap us up. Do you have any other thoughts you want to add? Um...
1: No, I, I know we'll be going to the Tennessee game on Tuesday. We might do something for that. We might not. It may not be worth it. But if we win, we will for sure do something. If we lose bad, we probably won't. And if I'm mad, we probably will because I'll need to rant. <laughs> yeah. But uh, other than that, I, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing, posting on Instagram, You know, uploading these podcasts. We're, we're supposed to be getting a, a Facebook up and
0: running uh, well, really right. today or this week. Yeah, so we have a Facebook currently. And we are—we have lost the password to that, and so we're trying to recover that password and get that account going, get it back up and going. Because we've got over a hundred followers already on there, and we've got all the photos and some posts on there already. Yeah, of like back when the channel first st- started, when you and Caleb were running it. Um, so I'm gonna make sure to get that done this week, at the latest, and try to get that up and going. And so. Go follow us on Facebook and he'll state always and go to the basketball game, support the dogs. Hopefully we'll get a win. But with that, it's been another day at Dogs on Demand. I'm your host Mason, joined by Wilson. Y'all have a good night.